from the Virtual Summit, the Core presents Sales Training Boot Camp with Marjorie Adam and Mike Wood. Today's topic, Dr. Nurse for Real Estate Agents. All right, so definitely do let us know. It looks like right now, according to the poll, we have a couple people with almost no team. We have some with two to three people. It's pretty evenly spread in terms of our attendees. We're short about 15 answers, though. So if you guys are just coming in and you see the realtor team size, questionnaire in front of you. Because ultimately, as you all know, we usually teach small teams and big teams, and with the condensed version of this, it's now teams. However, I think that as we replicate people or spread RP1s, we'll talk about that today, the important factors of where we find them, how we train them, and everything is going to be is going to be right there, and then you guys will be able to ask questions. Mike, why don't you say yes at the time RP1 counts for the sake of the poll? Does a part-time, hmm, I would say, I mean, if they're doing transactions, because we're going to be talking about splitting our RP1s, so we'll get into that. I think a part-time RP1 could count, it would be easier if I knew what they did, right, if they were also on the team or not, but we'll go in and I think probably be able to answer those questions as we go. This would be a fun group to have in a classroom, man. I, yeah. I like these people. Okay, so we're kind of spread out, so we'll we'll start. Um, and then make sure, like I said, we'll, we're going to have, we have these, our lovely core gentlemen taking care of us today that'll point out questions as well. Um, so it looks like about half the class has two to three people. So I'm, I'm going to take that as like maybe an RP1, maybe an RP2 in them. Right. Uh, and we'll go through that. All right. So Mike and I thank you guys for coming to our class today. I'm sorry that we don't get to be standing with you. Um, but I get to teach this with Mike Wood, so I'm very excited about that because I've kind of gotten to watch Mike's team evolve, right? Like, I've gotten to see him bring more people in and shift how his RP2s did things, and it's been awesome to kind of see that shift and change. Um, I think also we have both gotten better at our processes in terms of hiring and firing. Um, we're, it's a work in progress. Like, I'm always going to be the worst fire ever. I still cry more than they do. It takes me way too long. Like, one day I'll get better at it. But I really enjoyed kind of watching his team morph um, and just seeing him kind of really just explode. So I'm super excited to get to teach with you today, Mike. Like a fun train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> you watched me over the last eight years go from my very first summit where I had one RP1 that I just hired and hadn't been trained, and I left for five days and said, you got this, and she went, ah. Um, so now where I've got a team of 11, so I've got five that produce, uh, five on the backside, so five RP1, five RP2. Um, and I like to think that you're just sitting there with the big bowl of ice cream watching me going, oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, bring on more buyers agency, yay. <laughs> and I could see you crying, firing somebody, but I'm curious, when's the last time you fired somebody? Oh, I had to fire actually a team member that was a friend in January, and I should have fired her. This is, again, how good I am at this, about a year before. So she made it an extra year, and we had four meetings of me trying to uh, – 
make things work. And then I basically threw up in a corner and let her go. So it is definitely a weakness. It's just true, right? Here's the thing you guys all know. We're good at what we're good at, right? And so we're going to go through that today and kind of share some pitfalls, mistakes, really important characteristics, I think, really, that we all struggle with. So I'll tell you, so I I think you guys know us in in general, but I'm Marjorie. I am in Charlottesville, Virginia. I have the smallest team of anyone in the court. We will see. Like Rick keeps saying, you got to get bigger, but I love your team size. He also, you know, with Rick, you always get, like, the open-ended compliment, right? He's like, so, Marjorie, what I love about you is you're so relatable. And I'm like, oh, that's so nice. And then he continues, right? He says, because clearly if you can do it, anyone can do it, right? Like, I mean, seriously, like if the hippie granola chick from Virginia can end up on the core stage, anybody can. So I always appreciate the beginning of a compliment more than the end. Um, But I think the one thing I can tell you guys, so I have a team of four and me. So I still have a pretty small team. I'm still most of the sales, right? So almost all of them. So I've evolved a little differently. Biggest difference to me probably is I've tried to hire to take care of everything that I can that I can just sell. So that's maybe the biggest difference between me and most. Um, and so I have always had showing agents. I have two showing agents and two RP1s. Um, the showing agents do have secondary duties. We'll talk about some of that later. Um, I think one of the things Mike and I talked about is, Things I told you I'm a terrible firer, like I'm the worst. But I realized what I should have done and continue still struggling with is I need to hire sooner, right? So anytime I'm making my next hire, I need to do it more quickly. Um, I kind of let things build and, you know, things get overwhelmed, and then I hire someone versus being quicker to the draw. And then if it's not already clear, I need to fire faster, right? I need to – suck it up, and, you know, get firing faster. So hiring sooner, firing faster, I think, is my ongoing kind of struggle with hiring. What about you, Mike? Well, I, you know, it's funny that you say that because the question's always been, when do I hire, right? And we've always gone back to, well, if the leads are there, uh, Rick gave us a really good number, which was if you have two really good months in a row, they're strong, you hire. And if you have three really bad months in a row, you got to fire. So – uh, for me, it's always been adapting to what I think is coming and what we're dealing with right now. Um, I've gotten to the point, uh, thankfully, that business has been so good. We've been running between 16 and 20 transactions a month that um, I have a personal assistant that handles all of my stuff, including my core. She does all my gifting, um, all the way down to a listing transaction coordinator that goes out on listing appointments with me, takes all the notes, Um I have the same as you. My best, most profitable time is selling. It's, so it's face to face with referral partners. It's um, at the listing appointment. It's at the initial buyer intake with one of my uh, showing agents or my RP2s because I do have both. We'll get into that later. I know you guys are dying for it. Um, and it, it's establishing that rapport and doing the handoff. So ultimately, this whole thing, this whole class, and we're starting on page what, 109 for you guys? Uh, 109. This, this whole class is how you can leverage your team to sell and how you can delegate the things that take your time so that you can sell. Yep. Fair? Yeah. 
Totally agree. And I think so we're going to break through this. We're going to go through RP1s first. Then we'll get into RP2s. We definitely want to get questions answered because obviously this class is only as valuable as us being able to answer questions and deal with issues you're all facing. Um, the funny thing is we're all going to be facing the same issues really, really with our RP1s or RP2s. Um, but before we get specifically into that, I just wanted to take a second and say, okay, I think that we can boil down a lot of the main problems that people have with a couple things. One is you not having a clear vision of how things should work, right? So to me, I think that we hire people and we throw them in and then we're like, they're not doing their job and they don't do what they're supposed to do. And it's like, well, do you know? So I think the biggest thing is taking a moment because we all, right, we hire when we're desperate and things are falling apart and we need a body that can breathe, that can maybe accomplish a couple tasks and what we didn't do is really clarify a vision of how we want the process to go. And I think if, if everyone could agree that that's probably the biggest problem, that we bring people in either at the wrong time or without clarity, we're not really sure what they're supposed to do. Um, so you've got to have a vision of how you want your team to work. And to me, that's the clearest thing I could tell you. And that vision has to be from literally the first time the phone rings through a complete transaction. Because if you can't share that vision and train on it and create systems around it, then it's never going to work. You're always going to wonder, why doesn't this work? Right? I keep hiring this position, and it's not working. Or I, I have this checklist, and they just can't follow it. And it's like, okay, but something's wrong there, right? So you literally have to take that time because it's your team. Right. So we all have teams. Mike has a team. I have a team. We all have teams. But I assure you, we do things differently. Right. Based on our personalities or how we want things to work. So the one thing I can tell you about me is I'm very clear how I want things to work. Right. Like it's very clear how I want this process to go. Um, and then I'm also super clear that the point of each hire is to give me more time to sell. Right. So I'm profitable in sales. And I'm profitable when I have time to prospect, right? So for me, it's I have more time to sell. My clients have a better experience, right? The service level is way higher because it's not all me. I'm a high D, right? So really a lot of it, I, <laughs> you know, I, I have this C hidden person part of me, right, that's like caring, but really it's just like, right? Like I'm just like, I don't get why this is so complicated. Let's go, right? Just sign it. Um, so the better service, right? The people that are on my team offer this really high level of service to clients and have different levels of patience than I do. So we get a lot of referrals, frankly, because of them. So that's really important. And then I want more time with my family. So I decided years ago, I could double, triple time work all day long and I could sell more, which Rick would love. But for now, I still have two kids at home, right? I've got one more year with Lucas and then he goes. And then I will tell you guys game on because I'm already freaking out about it. So the little Mike Woods and everyone better watch out because Marjorie's coming after you then, but not till then. But my point is that's my clarity on my hiring, right? So if we think about that and we get into RP1s, I think that there's a there's maybe a misunderstanding or I don't know what the word is of the importance of an RP1, right? The importance of that person on your team. 
So I think for it should be a first hire, right, your first RP1, but you need to have some thought in it, right? It needs to be done carefully. You need to disprofile them. You need to interview them. For most of us, it's desperation, right? There's this office down the hall, and there's a realtor, and they're not really doing anything, but they can breathe, and they probably have some skills, and maybe I don't have to train them, and so I'm just going to shove them in my office, and now I've got an RP1. Yeah, look at me. Right? Yeah, yeah. Or it's like, this person, I am the queen of I can fix you, right? Like, oh, you know, you, you, you're kind of broken. I can sort of work with this and I'll make this better. Yikes, no. So really being clear on that first hire, right? That RP1. And the core metrics were pretty clear. So I also told you I'm a terrible fire, but part of that problem that I have is I, I get very vested in my in my team members, right? You become parts of like my family, basically. So you need to think about your numbers as you're hiring, right? So the core talks about three to four transactions equals a person, right? So when you're consistently closing three to four several months in a row, you're bringing on a hire. And I need you to think about that and understand you're bringing someone on, you're responsible for them. That's how I've always felt, which is part of my problem, right? I'm super feel responsible for them. So That's- Marjorie, let me let me stop you because I'm still hearing a little bit of feedback on myself. Uh, that's probably the scariest thing about the first hire is that for me, I woke up in the middle of the night thinking I'm responsible for somebody's livelihood, right? I I now have to produce not just because if I have a couple bad months, it's going to hurt me. You know, I I don't have that income coming in. I got to come out of my pocket. But um, what happens if? And, and then all the fears start coming in, right? What happens if you're not as good as you think you are? What if, what if it's all fake? What if it's now I've got somebody whose income is dependent upon me paying them, right? I, I, I've stepped off that bridge, and it's a very, very scary feeling. And the only thing I can tell you that I had this conversation with Rick was I said, I've committed to two people, and, you know, I've got X number of dollars in salary that I've got to pay them, and it worries me. And he said, Mike, I've looked at 16 months of your pay logs and your profit and loss. You got absolutely nothing to worry about. So get out of that fear and get into what I can do when I can free up that time, right? And get back into the sales role. So I apologize for interrupting you. No, no, you're exactly right. I mean, I think, I think that it's, it's gotta be, you know, you gotta look at your PL. Your PL tells the story, right? If you don't have enough sales, you cannot. You cannot tire, right? That's clear. You got to be able to pay them, but you got to think like you're working too many hours, right? So the people that are working 60, 70 hours a week, the people that are always in the files, right? You're not profitable in your files. Um, the people that don't prospect or that every detail just falls through the cracks. So the clarity is there for that RP1 hire, right? So I'm going to take a second and let you know successes I've had, where I have found greatest successes in my hires, and I want to get into that with Mike, too, because I think um, – and it'll be interesting, because actually I don't know if we do this differently, but <laughs> I hire with no experience. I don't like experience because that experience is not how I want you to do it, and then I have too many people telling me, well, over here we did this. Well, we are not there now. So to me, I don't hire based on real estate experience. That's worked well for me. I will continue doing it because I'll train them. So I don't like experience. I don't like the bad habits. I like to hire people I know. And I will tell you that works well and doesn't, 
right? Because if it doesn't go well, it's way harder. Um, but they tend to be more loyal to me. So even the person that was a disaster <laughs> was still really loyal to me, right? So I like that they have a vested interest. So I will tell you the best people I've had have worked in schools. So one worked with special needs kids, and one worked in, like, the nurse's office and ran the elementary school. So they have patients with, you know, children, which are clients, sleep children, um, and they have that kind of nurturing personality, and they worked extremely well. So service industry I like. Um, I like people who value hard work. I like people that appreciate a schedule and a paycheck because this is what this job is. You're in the office. Right, you're not the exciting realtor, which kind of always cracks me up, like so exciting. Um, but that's what the job is. So I will tell you that to me, um, I don't love high D. I'm a high D. Me and another high D don't tend to do so well together. Um, so that I like a CNNS. They have to have some eye because they do need to be able to pick up the phone. They can't be scared of the phone in their shadow. So if they're too shy and too reserved and too cerebral, um, I'm first of all, probably going to scare the crap out of them. And secondly, they won't be able to talk to people, right? So I have found those to be great people or characteristics. What about you, Mike? Like, what's the, what are your successes in your RP1? So on my RP1, um, out of the ones I have right now, one was referred in from another agent that said, hey, I've got somebody that's great. And uh, that's worked out really well. But I'll tell you, my my two head, the, the one handles all the listings, contracts close. The other one handles all buyer contracts to close. Um, both, one was a really good friend's wife who ran a convention center here in town and highly organized. They're both C's off the chart. Um, C-S-I. Uh, both very friendly. Um have no problem buying into the to the idea of taking great care of the client, bringing the, the client first. And, you know, that eye comes out because they do have to interact, interface. One of them is licensed, one of them is not. Uh, the one that's licensed ends up doing some negotiation whenever I need her to. Like today, she's negotiating a couple of contracts for me, uh, which is okay. The other one's not licensed. She's more transactional anyway. But that I comes out because I need them to ask the client, so how's the experience been so far? Is there anything that we could do better? Um, do you know anybody else that we could help? So the I definitely has to be there, but in the RP1 role, I want more of the C and the S because I, I need somebody that's organized. My problem is, is that I'm really good. Like I've, they hate Summit Week because on Monday they know that what's going to happen. I'm just going to come in and download. In fact, one of my RP1s is coming over to the house uh, the last hour or so, and I told her, I said, everybody else is going to be eating dinner, and I'm just going to rattle. I mean, you can just record the whole thing if you want or just take notes, but I want you to have a game plan on Monday of who's going to take charge of it and who's going to do it, right? So they've got that. Uh, the organization, organizational side that I just totally lack. And part of what CORE has, has taught me is find where your deficiencies are and hire to fill those, right? Because I need the whole package, but I'm only this much of it. So on the RP1 side, it's extremely uh, organized. Somebody, I had one that ran a daycare. She was great. Uh, this one runs convention. Um, I've got a yoga instructor that it just brings a calm to 
for the whole team. Um, but she's the same way. They're introverts. They don't, they don't like music. I mean, I love, I love listening to music, getting pumped up and getting going. You walk into their office, they're nothing but whiteboards and spreadsheets. And I just sit there and just kind of cringe a little bit and get nervous and scared. And then I walk away and I realize they're in their happy place, right? My happy place is not necessarily theirs. Uh, but almost all of them have come to me either from a title company, from a lender, or from somebody I already knew, and I saw that they possessed those traits, and I simply presented an opportunity to them and said, because the girl that ran the convention center, she's making $65,000 a year. Now, I'll tell you, that's more than I pay in RP1, but if I can teach you a brand-new industry that is more resilient than, you know, the one in five jobs in town that she could have worked. So now I'm going to open up a whole new door for her, a whole new, it's a whole new world. I really want to sing it from Aladdin, but I'm not going to. If I can give you opportunity and you can buy into the team concept and the fact that it's all for one, one for all, um, the benefits far out, outweigh what you're, what you're not going to get. So I think that if you simply keep your eyes open and you pay attention to what's going on, if I were a single agent and I was looking to make my first hire, I'd look through my last 12 to 24 months worth of transactions and I would say, who had an assistant that I dealt with that I really liked? Or I'd go to a contract to close outsourcing company that was local and say, hey, do you have anybody that you think is on the verge of leaving that is really good? Maybe I, I don't want, I'm not going to tell you to go poach somebody, but I'll guarantee you there's a really good assistant that could be a great RP1 that is unhappy in their current relationship. Right? So that's it. Keep your eyes open. Keep that bench deep. Always have somebody that you could call, right? And say, Hey, I met you before. I thought you were really great. I'm not saying you're looking, but if you know somebody or if you're, if you are looking, I, I'm looking to hire. Yeah. And I think here's the thing. We're going to do it wrong. So like I said, I just be clear on this. So whether you're like, this, you're a first time attendee or you've done this 10 times, um, you're going to hire someone and it's going to be a colossal disaster. So I had an assistant that I was terrified of. She was like four feet tall. Her name was Mary. And my whole office was scared of her. And we called her Scary Mary. And she's very real. Now, she's not here anymore. Thankfully, she quit or she'd still be here. But um, she was not a great hire. She was a smoker. So I didn't want to run into the sound because she'd talk like this, right? So, But she was great with spreadsheets. So here's the problem. Like, we're really good at, like, you know, oh, they're good at this, right? I need someone, and they can do a spreadsheet, but they were not good at the rest. So you're going to hire poorly, suck it up, get over it, and do it again, right? So it's just a lot of people are like, um, oh, I did it, and I failed. Yep, yep, just like you've gone to listing appointments, you haven't gotten them, and I'm sure you have failed at other things. I, I definitely, um, you're going to fail again. So you're going to hire, recover, and be more clear. So do a better job interviewing, do a better job, you know, being clear in what they need to do, do a better job doing reviews. I'm still like, oh, terrible. I'm like, you're doing great. Yay, Heidi. I told you you're good. So, um, so I will say, I'll give a question. 
No, go ahead and finish finish your thought, and then we're going we're to hit a couple of these questions. Yeah, yeah. Well, I see them, and so here's the thing. Here's where I'm going to get into this now. So RP1s, right? So when you hire your first RP1, you that RP1 does everything, right, because you have one. So you have to manage them carefully, and they're doing it all for you. They're doing your contract to close. So I've had them for years. My first one did contract to close and, and printed my schedule in the morning, right, and had to help me manage listings. So they're an overwhelmed first hire um, because they have to do everything that you need them to do. So a lot of the – it looks like a lot of the students here are trying to bring on a second one, right? right. So here's the thing. You've got one. You fully train them. Um, I was lucky that I had one that was good at everything, actually. She was really good at contract to close. She was really good at listing management. She was really good at databases and managing me because she probably has more high D in her than a lot would, but it worked well for us in that in that respect. So it was then time because she was overwhelmed to hire a second one. So I will tell you, I sat down with her and said, let's break apart the jobs, right? You're gonna, we're going to break this job off. You're going to go in from one person to two. So there's listing management. There's contract to close. There is, you know, managing me and birthdays and anniversaries and all the things you do. What do you love doing? Now, I could do that because she was really good at all of it. And she loved contract to close. She is the best, honestly, on planet Earth. I don't care who you all have. She's best. She's so good. So she wanted to do contract to close, right? And and I agreed that was her strength. And so I hired the second person to take off the rest, basically. So I will tell you, I now have two showing agents and RP1s, but we've segmented them. So Brittany kept contract to close, right? And then I brought someone else in who did listing management and lead management and Marjorie management. Well, as you can imagine, Marjorie management is a lot because um, I'm a squirrel, right? I, I seem very yes, I have checklists, but I'm like, ooh, I'm going over here. Now I'm going over here, right? So so she was like, well, Marjorie management's not my favorite, <laughs> right? Like, you are a little hard to keep a handle on, I get it. So we hired off Marjorie management, right? So That's a great point. It's a delineation, right? So Brittany is contract to close for all buyers and sellers because I'm seeing questions come up. She does it all. So all contract to close, all consistent, right, from the time, whether it's a listing that's gone under contract or a buyer, she does it. Brittany, excuse me, Bethany does listing management and lead management and shows houses. And then um, Kaylee, who's my newest hire, is the Marjorie manager. She takes care of my core stuff, birthdays, anniversaries, events, right? So I've segmented them um, for consistency as well, right? So that's how I've split up those jobs. And then my brother is a showing agent who does all home inspections. He tends all home inspections and all final walkthroughs, and he has a graphic design background. So he does all of our marketing. So everyone's in a very specific delineated role. Um, that's how I've split them up. Now, obviously, we're going to talk about, Mike, how you split your RP1s as well. I don't want you guys to get as hung up. I want to be cautious that it's not Marjorie way or Mike way. It's also personality and skill set, right? right? 
That's that's probably the most important part there because it, don't try to model what Marjorie has or what I have. I mean, what you need to understand is that whatever state you're in right now, at this particular moment, you could be in a single individual, you could be, um, and I'm going to say this because I know they're on the call, you could be a couple that's working together, you could, you could have one RP2, one RP1, it doesn't matter where you are, it's okay, right? Now, if you want to grow or you want to become bigger, that's fine, but if you're at the level of business that you're happy with, but maybe you want some time back, then we make a hire. And and it doesn't even have to be a full-time hire. We could go to a contract closed company that's going to handle your file from we went into escrow, so we got the keys, got the, got the check, however you want to do that. So what you have to understand is that more people, more problems. And Marjorie will tell you, and the reason, look, you guys want to see what I look like going through hiring and dealing with, this, this is what I look like most of the time. Um, my hair is going, I mean, I, it's not fun. It sounds great. I mean, I'll tell you how many units I closed and how, how much my volume was and how much I make and all that. And that sounds glamorous and glorious, but I will tell you the stress and the learning curve that has happened over the last six to eight years to give me to this place. Um, I sit there and go, you know, gosh, guys, don't do it. It's just, just, just keep selling houses and, and keep people happy. But the fact of the matter is, is if you really, if you're really good at what you do and you attract more people and you implement the core stuff, right? You're, you've got your VIP list. You're working on your past clients. If you do these things, it brings more business to you, which will do one of two things. You're either going to work more hours. You're going to hire people. That, that's it. Or you're going to fail and your, your client experience is going to be terrible. So what I would say is if you're at a point in your business where things are going good, but you want them to go better and you are stressed because you just don't have the time, then you have to hire. And that hire takes away, and here's the absolute easiest way to do it, and it's the only way I can paint this with a big brush is take out your your daily calendar, right? And if you're just by yourself, then you print out your calendar and you put it on your desk and you have a team meeting with yourself and you say, these are the big rocks. These are the things we need to take care of today. And then track on the side what you spend your time doing. And I'll guarantee you, because the biggest change for me in, in this business was when my coach told me I couldn't touch email anymore. And half of you just went like that. Literally, when I let go of email, that changed where my time was spent, what my income looked like, what my whole mindset. So keep track throughout your day of what you do, where you spend your time, and then take the biggest bulks that are not green time, that are not revenue generating, and hand those over to somebody else. And if they can do it 80% as well as you can, then you let them do it. It, it goes like this. Okay, so Marjorie, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have you take over contract to close. Here's the contract to close checklist. When this comes in, and then I spend some time training her. And then I walk away, and I come back and say, show me what you did. And she says, I did this. I go, oh, that's – so you did – this was really good, Marjorie, but I'm going to need you to do this this way. Can you do that? That's great. If you need any more help, let me know. And then I come back, and I check it again. So it is simply a matter of training – and, and I get it. You're, you guys are busy. You don't have the time. So have them shadow you. Have them sit behind you. Have them do, have them watch you do you and then hand it over to them. The biggest problem we have 
as team leaders because 90% of you are DRI is that you think you can do it better than anybody else. Nobody's as good as you. And if somebody else takes over that job, then you're really not important anymore, which is once again right here. So if you can simply open yourself up to I'm going to get somebody and that, that first hire has to be um, Marjorie used it. And anytime you hear Marjorie say "ride or die," you just kind of have to chuckle a little bit. <laughs> I mean, she ain't that tough. I could take her. Don't say anything, Nathanson. <laughs> so you get somebody that buys into you and says, "I want us, right, the collective, to just go and and, and destroy." Just I've got a little sign back here that says, "Stomp their guts out." Stomp their guts out. It's us two or us three or us whatever against everybody else. And then you can build on that. And you can, you can add, well, okay, so let's, let's go from RP1. Let's kind of venture into RP2. I will touch on the second hire. The second hire, you turn to your first hire and you say you're overwhelmed, aren't you? Yes, you are. I am too. We are both working so hard and we are doing so good. I think we could take better care of our clients, don't you? Yes, you do. Okay, cool. What does that look like? If we brought somebody else in, what jobs are you doing right now that you'd like that other person to do? Cool. And then create that job and go hire for that, for that position. Because maybe your RP1 says, you know what? I just don't like contract to close. I love everything else. I love that. The, marketing side of it. I like doing your schedule. I love this. I love that. Do client events. I take care, great care of your database. I don't like the monotony of checklists. Cool. I'm going to go hire a high C and bring them in. And then you interview them. You disc personality profile test them. You have Manesh. You pay a hundred bucks and Manesh will do it for you. And Manesh will get on the phone and say, hey, that's exactly who you want. Or stay away, right? Best hundred bucks you'll ever spend. Now, after you've interviewed them and they did really well with you because they told you that, you know, their biggest downfall is they're too much of a team player, right? Then you have them go to lunch with your RP1 and just say, hey, I just want you to, to get to know each other. Because as they're, have, as they're eating, the interviewee will let slip what's really going on in their life. And your RP1 can come back and go, train wreck, nope, nope, nope. Don't don't want to deal with it or come back and say, hey, that's a great one. So anybody that comes on the team, if I'm even thinking about bringing them on the team, they've got to go to two separate lunches with a group of three and a group of three, and they interview them. Now, the way that helps me is it, it wasn't my hire. I simply interviewed them. You hired them. You wanted them on the team. If they screwed up – now, before I get into RP2s, I will tell you the biggest problem I have had being a leader of a team is personality conflicts inside the team. And I'm going to go back to Todd Screamer because Todd taught me this five or six years ago. Really quickly, everybody close their eyes, and I can see you guys all on camera, so close your eyes. And think for just a second about a pineapple. And then then think of three or four words that you associate with the pineapple. Okay, you can open your eyes. Now, I, I guarantee you one of them was prickly or sweet or hard or crown 
for it, right? So if you think about a pineapple, the outside of a pineapple is hard and prickly and, and you can stab yourself on the crown. or It's just not attractive. But if you get them ripe, you have to know when they're ripe. Cut the ends off, cut it down. On the inside, it's really sweet and, it, and it's freaking delicious. I love them myself. Can't get enough. I like them on a little drink. And if I was in Miami right now, I'd be having one tonight. But that's exactly the kind of conversation that my team had to learn how to have. So I went out and bought little miniature stuffed pineapples and gave everybody on the team one. And I gave them this analogy. And I said, look, here's the deal. One of the five dysfunctions of a team comes from backstabbing, comes from talking negatively. You know, it's it's the cancerous person and it comes from this this backstabbing so my team members early on had to establish a level of trust and commitment to the group to say hey marjorie i need to talk to you you and i need to have a pineapple conversation because something happened you did my job or you told me it wasn't good whatever it is right that has to come out and if you can get past that that's the only way the team accelerates and becomes a, a, a unit. So that's my, Mike's hungry for a pineapple. Let's talk about RP2s. Let's talk specifically about uh, 50-50 buyer's agents, RP2s. Yeah? Marjorie, you can't shake your head. I'm I'm sorry. Marjorie, can we go into RP2s now? Yeah, no, no, I'm just saying. I know where you're shaking your head. Yeah, you don't believe in them. I, I don't believe in them either. Um, but I have them. Here's the rule. You can't ever... You take somebody backwards in pay, and I can't go to my 50-50 RP2s and tell them, hey, guess what? Your job doesn't exist anymore. They know it doesn't exist, but they're grandfathered in. And God love them. Uh, I, I tell you, I will step in front of a bullet for anybody on my team, and I would never take money out of their pocket. And the ones that have survived on the 50-50 model are high D, high I, um, don't necessarily want to be me, but appreciate being on the team. And they're really good at conversion. They're really good at rapport building. They're really good at closing. And they're great at mining their database. So a lot of them bring in their own stuff. Um, that's, that's it. They're 50-50 buyer's agents. Can we move on now? Or does anybody want to talk about 50-50? Uh, yeah. Tim Duncan wants to know if I would take RP2s at a 60-40. Um, I'll tell you what. Tim, the difference between you giving out 60-40 and you giving out taking 70-30 is simply your mindset. I think you, I think you're strong enough to be able to do it. Um, uh, most 50-50 buyer agents, Vanessa, are, are high eyes. IS is typically what they are. I'm an IS myself. I really like people. So with Mike's permission, I'm going to talk about salaried showing agents a little bit because I've had them for 15 years. Let's do it because Rick said 50-50 has gone in three years anyway, so there's no sense in it. I think think one of the things that's super important, we got to follow a core model, but we have to be profitable, right? So here's the thing. To me – and I always thought it was, I was stupid. Really, I was like, I'm missing something here, but I just can't get it. It was sort of like back when they had mortgages where you didn't have to pay the whole payment, and they would tack it onto the back. And I thought, well, that sounds dumb, but I clearly don't get it. Well, no, I got it. So here's the thing. To me, I never understood bringing someone into my team, right? Like I'm 25 deep in this, right, 25 years. 
I never understood bringing someone in that I was just going to start paying 50% to that kind of had their hand out going, you know, like the little baby bird that you like throw up in their mouth, right? It's like, I'm going to give you leads and you don't have to come to meetings and you're going to just treat me any way you want. And I was like, I don't get it. So to me, it never made sense that I was going to like bust my butt as a rainmaker and pay all the expenses. And I was going to then just have someone come in who decided to roll in when they wanted, and then they'd make their 50% and leave, right? I just never understood where that came from. So when I talk about this, my aversion to it is on the ones you're handing leads off to. Now, what you all do with producing RP2s that don't rely on you as mama bird is up to you. But my issue is, um, any of these agents that expect you to either pay money for leads that you're giving them or just hand them leads, and that never works. So I've had a showing agent, I mean, has been my brother, um, and it really came about as, hey, I need extra help. I need to replicate more hours in my day. Um, I don't have time to go to every listing appointment. I can't show every house. And I realized that if I had to sit through one more home inspection, and hear about the inner workings of a heat pump as a high D, I was going to lose my marbles, right? So, like, it was like I cannot spend four hours um, crawling in crawl spaces anymore, right? So it was like for the highest and most effective use of my time, it made more sense for me to bring someone in who was licensed, who worked with me and for me, whose interest was in our client and building that relationship, but that I wasn't giving away the farm to. So quite honestly, to me, the salaried showing agent is a support position, right? So, and here's the thing, it's my position, so it's following my rules, right? So I'm not bringing in a realtor that's going to do things their way or when they want. So for me, it's kept me profitable. Now, let's be clear that there's only so far I can take this. Just being honest, right? Like if it's my leads, my business, my prospecting, what I don't have that Mike has and the other, the other core students have is that extra coming in income, right? Like if you have producing RP2s, there's money coming in that's not directly involving you. But my problem was any leads going out that were my leads that I was handing off to a buyer's agent who, I don't know, is going to leave at some point that I'm kind of giving that business away. So to me, the whole point of the salaried showing agent was, a support position for me that took great care of the client, that helped me build the relationship, that had the patience to go through inspections and, and help support that relationship, who was very knowledgeable, um, that was an incentivized member of my team, right? So for me, the way it's worked and why I like it is because like when I get students um, pay logs, especially, nothing makes me more nuts than seeing a gross to net at 50%. Right. Like that just sends me into orbit. Um, so for me on my on my pay log, right, I'm about 96 percent gross to net because I have to pay off a split to my company. And then I'm 61 percent profitable from my pay log to my profit loss. So I keep more of my money, which is why I like that process. Right. So. It's a support position that I've hired and worked with for 15 years that I love, right? And what I love about it is it's created by me. I don't mean like I'm a genius. I mean the rules are mine. So your hours and your position and you do open houses 
and you do realtor open houses and you show houses and you do these additional tasks are the job, right? You come to the team meetings. There's no question about it, which is why I like it, right? So for me, again, everyone's ability to do their RP2s as, you know, more of a buyer's agent um, or more of a process is, is fine, right? Like, but I just, never understood the give the leads away kind of buyer agent, if that makes sense. So I think that it's it's someone you have to train. It's someone that's part of your team. It's someone that gets the duties that you assign them to continue to make you profitable is how a showing agents work for me for that long, right? So that's the position I've hired. I haven't brought in producing members because every time I have tried to do that, it's been, oh, I don't feel like coming in today or I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, what the heck do you mean you're not? Like, this is not like, you know, a democracy so much here. So that's been my issues watching my students struggle with what their RP2s won't do. So how have you worked around that, Mike? How have you made it work where you didn't want to, like, pull all that pretty hair out of your head? Pretty hair. It's turning gray, dude. Uh, listen, so, so the struggle has always been if I bring on 50-50 buyer agents and I give them leads, then when, when I don't even say if, when they leave, they're going to take my clients. My argument has always been this. That's a mindset that's coming from um, – well, it's, it's a fear-based mindset on thinking – I think of it as a river. And the, the leads are coming down the river, right? And the, the leads are the water, and I need the water to live. Now, if I scoop out water in the river, hand it to my RP2s, does that mean that when they leave, there's not more water coming down the river, right? So I don't think of, of this from a place of scarcity. I think of this as a place of abundance. And what I mean by that is that – I have them there to do a job, and that job is to take a lead, get them into a home, get them closed, hand me a paycheck. That's really it. Now, I'm simplifying, and I'm, and I'm putting a, a dollar figure on it and all that, but ultimately that's, that's what it is. The only reason I ever hired RP2, ever brought anybody on, was I had more leads coming in than I could handle, so I wasn't – converting because I was overwhelmed and it literally went like, Hey Marjorie, this is Mike. Um, yeah, you called me on the sign at one, two, three main street. You want to go see the house right now? Uh, no, Mike, um, you know, my husband and I just had a couple questions, but we won't be ready for three months. Okay. Well, cool. Call me back in three months. Click <laughs> boom. Next yeah. Nathanson. Hey, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Yeah. Nice to talk to you. You want to buy a house now? No, you're good. Cool. Dingman. What's going on? You want to, you want to go see a house? Let's go see a house. So I look back and it was, it was core that did it. And they were like, how, how many leads are coming in? So the tracking of everything. And I went, I cannot with as many leads as I had coming in, I could not provide a good level of service without somebody helping me. And then I hired an RP2. And then that RP2 came across somebody else that would be a good fit. And then this one has a friend. And, hey, Mike, I found somebody that just got their license, and I think they would be good for your team. And I still, to this day, take two coffees a week with – I just got into real estate. Some of them are past clients of mine. 
because I've made the I made the process look so fun and easy. They were like, I'll sell real estate too. And then they last for about 12 to 18 months. I'm like, it doesn't work for everybody. It just naturally happened. And as I brought more on, I got more leads. And the way I got more leads was I, I went back to the 10 realtor laws. So all of my, my RP2 have to follow the 10 realtor laws. All of my RP2 have to fill out a greatness tracker. All of my RP2 have to do the pay log. I simply turned them into my coaching students. And then I got yelled at by Rick because I was having them prospect their own database. And Rick, for those of you that don't know, once every two weeks, 44 of us get on it. We do, we do, it was just a realtor call. So it's 12 of us and Rick. And he said, well, what's your biggest struggle? And I said, my biggest struggle is holding my team, my RP2 accountable to the 10 realtor laws and la, la, la. And he went, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm teaching. He goes, you're teaching your your future competition. Go, listen, that's, I'm not, it's okay. I love them to death and they could all, I've had them, I've had some leave. I'm still friends with them. I am not concerned with anybody taking anything from me. I have plenty. And, and there's plenty more for me to get. So that's the trick. The trick is is that if you fall into the 50-50 or 60-40 or whatever, buyer's agent, you tend to get people that are more aggressive, that want to go and sell, that um, want to build their database if they're smart, and they want to they want to grow their business. And my pitch early on was stick with me for five to seven years. Not only will I provide you a good income, I'll train you. So that in five to seven years, you have your own database. You can step out on your own. Now, somebody had had mentioned earlier, if you're not giving them leads, then what's the value add? The value add is this. If you're an RP2 for me um, and anybody calls you, I don't care if it's if it's a referral from somebody that you closed six months ago and you did exactly what I told you to do, which was, hey, did I do a good job? Is there anything I could do better? Is there anybody you could – could you promise to send me somebody in six months? And they do, and they get that referral, and I had nothing to do with it, right? I didn't get them the lead, but they did what I told them to do. They can take that person out, show them a house, take a piece of paper, which I probably should have put in there. I didn't realize I was going to talk about this. Um, and that piece of paper simply has the seven different items that need to be filled in on an offer in my area. And at the house, they can say, okay, Marjorie, so let's see. We're going to go with 395 purchase price. Okay, you don't need any closing costs. Great. We're going to put 20% down. Cool. When would you like to close? 17th of July. Perfect. 17th sounds great to me. What kind of inspections? Boom, boom, boom. Great, great. Fill out one sheet. Take a photo of it. Send it to my RP1. My RP1 already has the client's information because they've already done that. Already has a Dropbox with the pre-approval in it. Already has their emails. Already has all that. RP1 writes up the offer based on what was just texted over to them, sends it over while the client is literally still having a conversation with my RP2. RP2's in green time still because now they're, they always say, hey, the offer's being written right now. You'll see it show up in the email. I'll get a text right before I'll tell you. You can just click, click, click. We'll have the offer to the listing agent before we leave this house. In the meantime, let's go through the people that you know right now because as soon as you told other people you're going to buy a house, people are like, I'm going to buy a house too. Who are those people? Because I want to call them, right? My RP1 handles everything from that moment on till closing. So they do all the scheduling uh, for inspections. They do the scheduling for the appraiser. Uh, they handle just about everything. 
the RP2 only has to come in for a couple things. They can show up for the inspection if the client's going to be there. Hey, I'm here with you. This is us doing this together. Uh, they show up at the closing table. The gift's already set up because my RP once already got the all about you form, has already filled out the gift. My RP2s can sell three to five times as many homes as anybody else in this town because they've got the systems and they've got the structure and I'm holding them accountable. That's why they're willing to stay with me is even in the worst of times when COVID came out and I don't know if we can show, we can't show tenant occupied, we can't do open house, can't do all that. All they had to do was turn to the group and say, I'm struggling, I'm afraid. And the group said, don't worry, we got this. We're, we're together. That's, that's, we have everything we need. That feeling of solidarity, that, that team, the nucleus, pays for itself over and over and over again. And they know that even if everything stopped, I mean, hypothetically, everything stopped. You couldn't buy or sell a house for six months. I'm still going to pay the RP once. Nobody's losing their job. And if the RP2s needed it, I'd give them as much money as they needed, interest-free, for as long as they needed to pay me back. Because that's who I am as a leader, and that's the team that I have. So that's why the RP2s stay. So I, for some reason, have lost all screen except for a small box. So I can't tell if there's questions. I don't know what happened. Marjorie like this. Marjorie like this. Yes, I know. I'm like, oh. So can you see I cannot? Like I said, I got. Angela's blowing it up, dude. Uh, uh, oh, my gosh. Angela, you type fast, girl. Um, they have their own database of us, the greatest tracker. I like that. So. I will tell you this. If you have a 50-50, so my guys pay $1,000 a month to me, um, and then they're 50-50 after that. They pay their own uh, MLS fees. They pay their own association dues, things like that. So, um, But I also I give them softballs. I, mean, I give them past clients. What I have learned, and this was the hardest part for me, is that I would much rather the client have a great experience and my RP2 be taken care of financially so that I can just go out and get more because I can go and plant seeds and I can kill much better than I can skin. I mean, Rick used the analogy. He says, when there were buffalo on the plains, you were either a skinner or you were a killer. And killers don't skin and skinners don't kill, right? So my job is to go kill and, and let them go. If you have enough leads that you need help on the buy side, you need somebody, you need to leverage someone for the sale, right? Three, four thousand dollars a month, five hundred to a thousand dollars a deal, depending on your price point. Forty hours a week, two weekends a month. And that's it. And you set the proper expectation at the higher. You want somebody that wants to take really good care, follow the rules. You don't need, you don't need a high D. You simply need a high S, I, that comes in, takes care of people, gets the job done, has great follow up, does not want to be you, wants to go home in the evening and have time with their kids, willing to do a couple of open houses. Um, and that's just it. And the only reason you think you can't do it, if you think you can't do it, is because you're afraid. And maybe rightfully so. Maybe you don't have the leads for it. And you have to work 50, 60, 70 hours a week right now. I'm sorry. I did it. I worked until midnight. 
came home, fed, fed the kids, fed the wife, went back to the office, printed out documents. Did it for years. Worked three jobs when I started in this business. So can't nobody tell me that it's hard and I don't know how to do it and, and you find a way around it, right? Adapt, adjust, overcome. So um, I know you are on RP2s, but with with how Rick has been uh, hammering the coaches and level three members on CCRs, um, do y'all do y'all incentivize RP1s to bring in business, um, or is that expected up front when you hire them? I think it's a little of both. I think it's expected as part of how we do business, but we incentivize because, quite frankly, we are paid commission, right? So my make my money in commission, my my staff is paid salary. So while it's great that we make more, I think there should be a sharing in that. So we do contests around CCRs. I'll do little gift certificates around CCRs. Um, I will incentivize um, and we'll make sure we make a big deal of it when someone helps to bring that business in. Because remember, part of the issue you guys all have with hiring RP2s and, quite frankly, in my opinion, overpaying RP2s is because you can't get out of your own mindset of how you're paid, right? Like, you would never do something for, like, most people overpay all their RP2s and stuck them on a 50-50 immediately because it was required. But there is no rule. I don't, I mean, there's no RP2 rule book that anyone wrote that it had to be done a certain way, right? So, um, so for me, I think, I think that incentivizing, especially a salaried person, but this is also part of, knowing their love languages and distesting them, understand that for Brittany, if I let her go half day early on Friday, it's way more worth it to her than $200. So understanding and incentivizing your team members is knowing them, like she's all about an attaboy. So just so we're clear, I just gave all my team members bonuses. And, um, yeah, I'll send you one too, Mike. I gave I her some bonuses. <laughs> And Brittany called me crying because of the note that I wrote to her, not the little nice trick that was in it. She didn't care. So also remember how your team members work and what their positions are and what your incentives are that are truly showing appreciation, not just your mindset of everything's 3%, right? Everything's this percent. And the way we think and we're constructed is not how your RP1s and RP2s have to think. Well, not, not only that, Marjorie, but, um, it, it is those little – it's the personal things. So your team members should be on your VIP list. Uh, you should know their birthdays. I'll tell you the biggest biggest mistake for me was I didn't take into, effect, into account how important their anniversary date was and celebrate that. So we celebrate birthdays. We celebrate anniversaries. Um, on Saturday afternoon, we're going to take a big – we're sponsoring one of my RP1's daughters who's graduating college, but – Obviously, they're not going to have the graduation. So we, we had her fill out an all about you form and we created a huge, like, like I told them $800, they spent 450 and we're going to do a little caravan of the team to her house. But the trick is, is that you, these have to be your VIPs is the more you love on the team, the more the team loves back on you. And then I um, think, I think you'd agree too, Mike, because we're wrapping up like the training. 
and the shadowing, right? So, like, I did see a question. I can't see him anymore. I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm in this void of wherever I am in the screen. Your glasses um, no, not my glasses. Oh, it's sorry. Just, they're gone. Uh, so the training and the shadowing, right? So just so we know, like, my listing manager followed me for a year and a half before she went on an appointment by herself. So, you know, I don't just let people answer the phone. I train them on the answer the phone, right? So you right. – it's on the job shadowing and training and people are like, I don't have time to train. And I get that, but understand then you're going to stay where you are forever, right? If you guys don't take that time to shadow and train and you know, yes, it's going to take you more time up front. You're never going to get out of the files. You're never going to get out of being stuck in things. And then you guys also have to become master delegators because honestly, for most of my students, your biggest problem is um, I told them to do something. It either took too long or they didn't do it. So I just did it myself. Do it. So like you I'll yank it. it back. And so unless you start. Kill trust. Yeah. Unless you Absolutely. start becoming a way better delegator, clear, defined, here's how you do it, when you do it, why you do it, right, until you guys really get on that. I think that's yeah. going to be a stumbling block for you, whatever the position is. Yeah. So number one, you can you can hire either RP1 side, RP2 side. You have to set clear expectations of what it is. You can set how much they're going to get paid, and they can make the choice whether or not they want to take the job for that amount of money. So when we talk 50-50, that's on you. I can't tell you what to do. Um, take really good care of people. And have daily meetings saying, how is the job? Am I meeting your expectations? This is how you're coming at the expectations I set for you. Um, open, honest, clear communication solves 99% of the problems. Uh, don't simply turn to somebody and say, you suck, I'm going to fire you, unless you've poured in and attempted to fix. You know, it, it always comes down to, I don't, I don't make I don't make, I don't hire bad people. I just don't train well. I don't follow up. And then my expectations over here, but, but I'm not giving them anything, right? Especially the C's, boy, they need to know what do you want me to do? And the more clear, the more concise and the more open and honest you could be, the easier it is. So Marjorie and I are both available later on today. If you guys want to catch us at the, uh, at the fire pit, we really appreciate you guys being in here. If you could please, um, be nice on the scores, we'd appreciate it. Have a great and time. Also, guys, remember, just because you did it wrong before, you can fix it. We've all done it wrong. Oh, yeah. yeah. Don't just live in it. Like, take action. Don't be like me. Fire scary Mary. Move on. Right? right. Like, you got to get don't beat yourself up. You yep. will make mistakes, and it will be okay. Yep. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to the CORE's Sales Training Boot Camp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at www.lacortraining.com.